Does anybody have anything that the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you about or has done in your life uh, or spoken through you that you would like to share? So I was praying, um, I guess it was a couple days ago, just praying for some specific direction with financial decisions and investments and uh you know, there's so much going on in economy and stock market and all that stuff. So anyhow, I was praying about that. And the Lord is just good with his um, assurance. But as I felt impressed with a particular direction and decision I was going to go, uh, he just reminded me that no matter what, I will be with you every cent of the way. Every cent of the way. Every cent of the way. That's really cool. (laughs) Yeah, it was, because my natural mind was kind of going, oh, every step of the way, because that's what you normally think. But Holy Spirit brought me back to it, that it was every cent. Um, And that's the detail. Um, Spirit, Father, He is, uh, to do that kind of precision and, and... and security, and just trusting them with that. That's cool. Before you move on to that, is anybody else facing anything like that, a financial decision or strategies? I know Vicki and I are. We've got some stuff to do with our you know, house and various things like that. Anybody else got a, any, nobody? Everybody has absolute clarity for financial stuff? Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> anyway, I just want you to pray for us. Yeah. Just that that, that, that same that level of confidence, yeah, would... Well, Lord, I just thank you for the truth of your character, that you are Jehovah Jireh, our provider, Lord, no matter what, that we're not, we're part of your kingdom. We're part of your kingdom economy, Lord, that does not have to be bound by the world's economy and inflation and gas prices and shortages of and lies and all kinds of stuff going on in the world. So I just thank you that we are your kids. You've set us apart, that we're just secure in you. And I just thank you that you're speaking, God. And just like you brought that direction and assurance and security that was really just a reminder of no matter what, you are with us. And you can make up for lack, and you can bring restoration in every place that the enemy has stolen. uh, He has to return. And so I just declare that over my friends. Lord God, for those that are in any lack or any confusion or anything that is just tripping them up, bringing anxiety or anything, Lord, I just speak the peace, peace of God revelation in their decisions and that they would walk in the spirit and just be attuned to your voice as you direct their paths, God, because you, you have a map for every one of us, Lord. Yes. And that's going to look different, but I thank you that you're speaking God and you know how to lead and guide them in a way that they will prosper in abundant ways. So Lord, thank you for that trust that we can have in you, that we have ears to hear your voice and, and, Lord, there would be no fear in decisions. 
Because no matter what, God, our heart is toward you, and you will provide. Amen. So thank you, Jesus' name. I think that'd make a great T-shirt, huh? I'll be with you every cent of the way, God. <laughs> That's awesome. I just had a... My week was tiring. Lots of conflict, work stuff, and so forth. And uh, God gave me a little thought here at the end, which is... Um, as you go through the struggles, you know, first it's like, well, I'm here because I'm, it's a ministry for the other people. And yeah, that's true. Um, sometimes not so, sometimes you're less ministerial yeah, than others. Enthusiastically. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> and then Becky was like yesterday, oh, maybe you're there just to learn patience, you know? And it's like, I know, I, I'm shortening it very much. And it's true, but I think that's a true statement. And those are all there. And I feel like kind of in the evening, God's kind of just said, what if you didn't figure it out? <laughs> you don't need an explanation and you just lived and let me deal with it and enjoy me anyways, <laughs> without having to know the reasons and the explanations and the why am I here and all that kind of stuff. Because the answer is, I don't know. And it's a little mix of everything. So Praise God. I think that's perfect. Yeah. So I, I, I'll share a little something else. I, I had two really cool things. Uh, that theology group that I was with, we had a few minutes, uh, or we had a, a follow-up meeting that I was able to be at. And one of the, the things in the breakout groups was they asked about uh, times in your life when the Lord, you just had an encounter, something that was really very special. You reminded me of it, Dan. Um, back very early when I was a vineyard pastor, uh, quite young, we were down at Anaheim Vineyard, and it was the wild woolly days in the vineyard. A lot was going on. And so John had called a bunch of people up, and I went up front. I was standing in a line of people there at the front of the vineyard. And uh, he was praying for people, and they were falling down and praying and falling and praying and falling. And really, and there was all kinds of noise and everything. And he, so it was about this far away. So he prayed, this person fell down. He stood in front of me and he looked at me and he didn't even lift his hand. He didn't say anything. He just moved to the next person, prayed for them, and they fell down and he kept going. Um, I'm a relatively secure person, <laughs> but that kind of rattled me. You know, there was probably five or six more people, I guess, Vic, how many ever? It, anyway, I got back up there to my seat and um, we were quite a few rows up and I was standing there and I did not know what that meant. And then I heard the Lord, and he said, do I have to do something like that for you to believe that I love you? And I wish I could have just said, oh, of course not, but I didn't. I thought about it for, felt like a few minutes. And then I remember intentionally and deliberately saying, no, Lord, I know you love me. I don't have to, you don't have to do that. And there wasn't any big bells or whistles, but I just kind of had a little bit of an assurance and went on. The, the conference was fine. So the next week, uh, we had a, that was just kind of a general big thing at the vineyard. The next week, we had a regional conference down in uh, Pasadena. I think it was in Pasadena. There was a church in Pasadena. And I was sitting on the aisle, and if that were the front of the church, up real high where the, the ceiling fan is, they had this big glass cross, and it was faceted with, it was just really beautiful light and everything. And up to that point in my life, I don't ever recall having what I would describe as an open vision. But this was the following week, so it was like on Tuesday after that 
weekend that we were at the vineyard. And I looked up at that, and I just collapsed on my knees. I got sucked into the, the brightness of that light. The Lord began revealing Himself and stuff to me in a way that I had never, never had happen. And I felt like it was the Lord saying, because you don't need it, I can give it to you. It was really cool. It was really cool. So that's pretty fun. Anybody else? Anything you want to share? Anybody up here? Al, yeah, buddy. Yeah. Um, Papa often says to me, look at there was a few little things. One of them was um, I'm looking at at finishing my work and uh, just wondering how it was all going to work and when I was going to leave. And and this week uh, after I went back to work this week just to adjust things and to get things organised and do the training I needed to do to finish the year. And Papa has me all organised until next February. So it basically means I don't have to teach that much this next semester. I've got time off because I've got leave. And I go all the way through what you would call your summer holidays, which I get paid for. We It's different over in Australia. We get paid for those. And I will then end at the end of a summer holiday. So it's just, wow, it was just amazing. And then yesterday... There's so much going on in, in my life. I'm doing things. And and I was saying to Papa, because I'm an electrician, uh, the little church I've started to go to um, needed needed some work doing to it. And I got this phone call uh, to say, Al, can you come and, and help us? We need the power disconnected. And I'm thinking, Papa, there's so much I've got to do. But you, now unto you who's able to do, you're able to fit all this thing in. And it was just, it, it lined up with on Wednesday, everything's going on where, where we had an ascension. Um, it's, it was, I, Papa's had me in Hebrews 4, where it talks about he, entering his rest to cease from our own works. And it's like what, what, what you were saying just then, like Dan was saying and, and everything's lining up. It's amazing what he's doing. Um, that that in amongst this storm that we have around us, here we were in this vortex and just being in the presence of God. And you could look out and see the storm going on around us, but we were in his presence. And and that was the same night that we started the churches in Dubbo started to come together for the first time in many years and we actually had our first service together um and so it's sort of entering his rest that's what it's all about and not having a clue then what you said brother was spot on I don't have a clue what he's doing sometimes but I know that I can just trust him and I think that's the amazing thing. So yeah, that's my week was full. Oh, by the way, I asked for you to pray for Deepak last week. Um, they got to Monday. The the key witness against him couldn't be there. So it's now been cancelled to the 19th of, of September. So, but just still believing, still believing. And um, it's, it's, it's a journey. <laughs> As I said, we don't understand a lot of stuff, but but it's entering his rest, and that's what he's telling me. Just trust me, Al. Just trust me. So that was my way. Amen. Amen.
Amen. Any other Zoomers got anything you guys want to share? Praise God. Praise God. Just one little tiny follow-up on praying for Deepak and his, his family. You guys remember that? Uh, he was involved in the accident that took uh, Al's son's life a few years ago. And Al has just been praying for him and wants us to pray that uh, he not be deported, he not be convicted of that. Uh, uh, they've got quite a relationship going on. And as, as I was responding to Al's request to pray, here's what, what the Lord led me to pray, and I would pass it on to you if, if it makes sense. That Al's mercy and forgiveness would be reckoned as justice for Deepak and his family. So, if that's helpful to you, uh, that's kind of what the Lord was leading me to do. So, awesome. Thanks, brother. Thanks. All right. <clears throat> well, yeah, we're going to... So we have, uh, by way of announcement, we have a couple of special things going on next week. Uh, Sonny has a friend named Bill Vanderbush. And Bill, uh, I guess Sonny met him when he was in Hawaii, but Bill was one of the first guys, or was the first guy to, to open up a school supernatural ministry in Hawaii. Uh, I don't know what island it was on. I'm, I'm thinking Maui. Was it Maui? And uh, so some of us have listened to some clips and stuff. Anyway, Bill lives in Florida now. He's a friend of Sonny's. And he is out here doing a conference or something at Glen Airy earlier in the week. And then he was asking if if uh, we had a place where he could come and follow up with a meeting. So next Thursday, next Thursday evening, uh, Bill Vanderbush is going to be here. And uh, Sonny's working up the invitations. And some of the people from his conference at Glen Area are going to do some follow-up with him. It sounds like a neat guy. And uh, I'm more than happy to to uh, encourage you guys to come. We're going to be here and um, uh, see what Bill has to share for us. So it just felt like a, the right thing to do. And that's on, on uh, yeah, at church at 6.30 on Sunday. And then, I'm sorry, 6.30 on Thursday, Thursday, Thursday the 30th, Thursday the 30th. Then, in an unusual for us situation, we have for a long time had a guest speaker planned for this coming Friday. And um, his name is Ben Nichols. And Ben is a, a friend and a co-worker with Harold Eberly and a lot of what goes on in his ministry. And the last, uh, Vicki and I went to the conference last year, but there was a two-year break in Worldcast conferences in the summer because of COVID. And the conference prior to that, Richard was up there with us, and we met Ben and Ben's ministry, which is delivering families from indentured servanthood, indentured slavery, in the brick factories in Pakistan. And uh, what's the name of the ministry? Uh, Freedom for All or something like that? Something like that. So a few years ago, we donated a couple of thousand dollars, which was the money required to put a school together for a year. And because of COVID and all that kind of stuff, ministry's been challenging, but the school's been going on. And Ben is going to be here. And he's going to give us an update and report, share everything. It's stunning, really, what, what goes on. And um, the wisdom of the Lord, it, I think, is going to be so evident when He gets a chance to talk to us. So not only are they trying to using the education to get the kids out so the kids can have a job, and then they can help deliver their parents from... It, it's literally the kind of thing where the house that you get and all this costs more than what you make. 
And so it literally is perpetual. But it's not a terribly efficient business for the, for the brick factory owners. And so one of the other things they've done is they've developed some machines that are way more efficient at making bricks financially than the slaves. And so it's a process of re-educating the, the slave owners and all this because it's a whole lot easier to repair a belt on a machine than put up with people that are getting sick and getting frustrated and all that kinds of things. So anyway, that's our next Friday service. Ben's going to be here to share. And so I really encourage you to, to be here and, and enjoy that. So that's what's going on next week. And then I'm going to, so I'm going to do a, an introductory topic that I explored a little bit on Tuesday. And, uh, the, the Tuesday question is one that I've had for a while, and it fits into a couple of other things. Um, what does it mean that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world? And uh, it's a question that I've not heard a lot of people ask in depth. And when we tried to ask it in depth on Tuesday, it proved to be quite a challenge uh, because it requires that you think about well, what is sin and uh, I thought, for me, the emphasis was a little bit on, well, what does take away mean, as opposed to cover up or intercede? And then if Jesus takes away sin, why does sin stem, seem to play such a, a big uh, part in our lives and part in our eschatology and part in our judgments and all those sorts of things? So anyway, excuse me. So anyway, it was a, uh, it was a beginning to that discussion, a good one. And uh, tonight, uh, I want to share with you a little bit about what the Lord has begun to share with me about that. And uh, I'll qualify that even more in just a moment. Um, but we'll get into that. And I'm not a big one on being led around by, by current events for the most part. But obviously, the Supreme Court decision this morning uh, was amazing. And, and it's a big deal. And so uh, I'm going to make time to talk about that a little bit and look at our response. And that actually is what's behind the title, which is Celebrating Jesus' Victory Over Sin with Love. So, uh, Ronnie? I just wanted to note the record that I wasn't at the meeting and there was a difficult time discussing something. Yeah. So it's not That's, just it's not it, just me. It's not just you that causes the difficulties <laughs> on Tuesday night. Well... Okay, yeah, that's probably a good thing to make public. It's <laughs> Dan and Debbie weren't there either, so it wasn't their fault. So no, no worries, buddy. That's uh, yeah, that's funny. That's funny. Welcome back, by the way. Uh, all right, well, let's get started. And uh, in doing so, I have some sheets printed here. If you would hand these out, Doug. <clears throat> so this is, if you'll think of this as an introduction, it'll be better. So the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, look, he said, there's the God's lamb. There's God's lamb. He's the one who takes away the world's sins. I've, the scriptures I've got up today, I've got up out of uh, N.T. Wright's Kingdom New Testament. So that's why it's got a little bit unfamiliar feeling for a second. Here is, by way of introduction, what I would consider to be sort of the essence of this victory that the lamb did gained over sin. And this is in Romans, and this is out of the Kingdom New Testament. Romans 3, 21-24. And uh, you remember that 23 is one of the verses we looked at when we were looking at the meta-narrative around the Kingdom. 
And, and, and it was odd that such an emphasis on 23, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, was actually a phrase in the middle of a sentence that spoke about something else, significant. And that leads to a little testimony that I do want to share uh, that was just thrilling for me this week. Prior to our Wednesday ascension, I was up in my office, and a phone started ringing. And it's, it's the phone number that's published for the church. It's on a cell phone. And I am absolutely horrible at monitoring it. To tell you how bad I am at monitoring it, when that call came through, I answered it. It was actually a person, and then uh, the phone died after about two minutes because <laughs> it wasn't charged up. Fortunately, I had her number, and I called her back. Uh, this woman's name is Nancy Nelson. Hi, guys. Nancy Nelson, and uh, Nancy lives in Raleigh, North Carolina with her husband, Daniel. And she is a mom, and she is just one of the most delightful people I've talked to in a really long time. She, uh, her, the ministry that she and her husband do is, and she trains other moms in the areas to do this, they're in, in the Carolinas, is she goes to the university, and she has a sign covered in hearts, and her ministry is called Cupcakes and Hugs. And she just is there, and she sets up a little bench, and she talks to college students. And, you know, are you lonely? I mean, are you here, you know, you're away from family, and all this kind of stuff. And uh, and then she just talks to them about, about God. And, you know, contrary to what you might have heard, the Father really loves you. He really he, he delights in you. He's, and anyway, she's going on and on talking to these college kids. And she told me, she said, Larry, I, when the occasion, she said, it, it's, the, the kids are really open. They're really open. Most of them is, I mean, once they get in the conversation, they, they express their, their concern that, that they're not very committed to the church as they grew up in it or as they knew, but, but they really appreciate me talking to them, praying for them, loving them. And she said, I just got where I could not, share the gospel the same way I had shared the gospel all the time. And she said, and she didn't tell me how it happened, but she said, I, I was able to see your message on YouTube or on Facebook uh, where you and your church sh- uh, came up with that gospel meta-narrative worksheet. And she started quoting back to me the stuff that we would said. It was super encouraging. And she said, but I didn't get the end of it for some reason. I don't know whether it was the Facebook feed or whatever. She said, is there any possible way that you could send me that material? And I said, yeah, I have it right here on my desk. I'd be happy to do it. And I said, the only thing that I'm going to ask is that some Friday, and it doesn't have to be right away, that you and uh, Daniel would just get on and share with the folks the testimony about, about your ministry and how it's working. But I just thought it was just so encouraging. So it was terribly encouraging to me. And of course, this verse is, is a, a big one, but I want you to see that it's about something other than just the declaration that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So, verse 21 starts like this. But now, quite apart from the law, though the law and the prophets bore witness to it, God's covenant justice has been displayed. God's covenant justice comes into operation through the faithfulness of Jesus the Messiah, for the benefit of all who have faith. For there is no distinction. All sinned and fell short of the glory of God, and by God's grace they are freely declared to be in the right, 
to be members of the covenant through the redemption which is found in Messiah Jesus. The reason I like what N.T. Wright does with this is he brings in the bigger picture, not just beyond sin, but by, but the idea of the covenant. And the word justification he is, uh, and, and righteousness, uh, he's talking about God's covenant justice. He links it back to the promise of the Messiah in Jesus and identifies Jesus as the fulfillment of that messianic series of promises. And he goes all the way back. And, and when, you're, when you read what he does in here, especially in Romans about this idea, and you start understanding why he's talking about the faithfulness of the Messiah as the covenant justice of the Father, the faithfulness of the Messiah and the faithfulness of God, it takes it out of just this narrow focus on sin and sin being fixed, and it puts it into the deliverance and the the setting apart of that. And that has led to my question. So I want to understand more deeply what it means that you've taken away the sin of the world. You're the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Because that evokes the whole atonement. It evokes the whole worship of the tabernacle. It evokes the history, the early sacrifices, all the way back to the skin coverings for Adam and Eve and everything. And so I don't really have the answers to that. This sheet that I sent you is an excerpt out of my time with the Lord in my journal. And on the back page, which is less of an emphasis, is what I uh, kind of tried to summarize. And on the front page is what I think I heard from the Lord about it. And so in keeping with the idea that, that um, you know, we're sharing what the Lord says and prophecies and stuff, I'm going to share that. Uh, and I want to put an absolute disclaimer. I'm not pretending that this is Scripture. I'm not pretending that it's, you know, whatever. I think it's what I heard the Lord say to me. Uh, after I kind of tried to get out what I thought and ask him, is that how you see it? Is there anything close to that or true? So you are very, very free to judge it, very free to question it, and we'll have an opportunity to do that here as I move through it because I don't have tons of stuff I want to share tonight. But nevertheless, I do want to share with it. So this this is what I wrote down uh, in my journal. And and I just thank the Lord for the peace He had given me over it. I thank the Lord for the discussion we've been having on Tuesday for all the way this is leading. And I thanked Him for His willingness to help us engage with this kind of thing, help me engage with it so that we could just think our way through it. So here's what I said. Thank you for the reality that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I do this all the time uh, because if all I ask is questions, I just hear my own answers back. But if I'll go ahead and make a statement then I can be corrected or I can be encouraged or something along those lines. Anyway, it works for me. Thank you that sin is no longer the defining power it was before Jesus took it upon himself and took it to, uh, took it to his grave. Thank you that the death which was the wage and the power of sin was fully expended in him, whose death, death itself could not hold, for it is the soul that sins that dies. These are my words, and you can tell they're not super fluid and coherent. But anyway... So you, Jesus, while not sinning, not believing the no-father lie, not believing the I am independent lie, while not surrendering to the hopelessness of the why have you forsaken me experience, you gathered all of us who had believed these things and our sin to yourself, then dying as and with us, you brought a just end to sin 
And also, you brought that just end to an eternal end. In this multi-part work of sinless living, you, Jesus, being sinless living, being made sin, dying at the power of sin, and demonstrating righteousness and absolute covenant faithfulness and justice by your resurrection, you overcame death and life, and you took away the sin of the world. So that was my statement as far as I had been able to think through it. Then I said, uh, basically, Lord, uh, how do you see that? How close is that to the truth? What can you tell me? And so on. So here's what I believe Jesus then said to me. And it's a little nerve-wracking because I put it in quotes, but I'm just doing that so you know that I think I heard the Lord say it. Okay, I'm not trying to import an authority I don't carry. This is what I believe Jesus said, though. I came to say yes where Adam could not and did not. I came to believe and be patient in the truth of Father's love where he wavered and believed a lie and became afraid. The way I dragged all the cosmos and all of you into my belief is more complex than can simply be explained, but I will try. I brought my authority as creator and my relationship in holding all things together as the context of holding you to myself and bringing all of you into my life, death, and resurrection. All of that I brought into eternal, the eternal covenant Father offered to all mankind and to all creation through me as Messiah. When you believe in me, you begin to experience that reality personally. The reality that sin no longer has true, irresistible power over you. Hearing, growing, doing, and being all become possible. Your identity as my children, brothers, and friends is revealed. The love that I am begins to be who and what you are as well. The divisions within you, the conflicts of will and hope and desire begin to be resolved. The lies that fuel those divisions become visible and are exposed to the light that I am. Truth begins to set you free to bear and to realize the image that you bear. Love, joy, and peace begin to define your daily lives. Fear, hatred, and anxiety lose their voices and their power. Grace, that is Father's affection toward you, creates the space, the time, and atmosphere into which all this begins to be experienced. Doubts are dismantled and replaced by hope and a sense of well-being. And what you see around you and in those around you begins to change. You begin to see the purpose of our Father and the workings of my Spirit all around you. So I offer what I think I heard the Lord to you. I'm wide open to thoughts about it, questions about it. It was encouraging to me. I don't exactly know what to do with it. I I plan on continuing to study this out. I have hit a couple bumps in the road of trying to study it, uh, this idea of uh, Jesus taking away the sin of the world. We did have some really neat uh, outcomes on Tuesday in a couple of areas. One that struck me particularly was what would be the possible consequences if we simply believed the declaration, even if we didn't know how he did it. Uh, in other words, if if we just made that declaration, which is kind of why I started with that, that, okay, Jesus, even though I don't necessarily see it, 
in everyday life. And I don't know exactly how it's possible or even when it's going to fully manifest. Uh, I believe that you have taken away the sin of the world. The other thing is that sin is obviously something more pervasive and fundamental than just bad behavior. Because there's still quite a bit of bad behavior that goes on <laughs> in the world. But uh, what are the implications of that? And then that led basically basically to this. So um, would it be helpful to back up and read it one more time? Does it matter? Is it good? Everything's good? Okay. Um, oop, wrong way. So then, uh, this verse is another one of the re- revelations out of the stretch of Romans 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, especially those chapters. And I'll just read this to you. It says, So then, just as through the trespass of one person, the result was condemnation for all people, even so through the upright act of one person, the result is justification, life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of one person, many received the status of sinner, so through the obedience of one person, many will receive the status of in the right. There's something more pervasive, more foundational, and bigger than we think about what Jesus has accomplished. And I know that we're a group of people who think what Jesus has done is pretty big, but I'm just saying, I think it's okay for us to give ourselves to believe that it, that what he has accomplished, when he said it is finished on the cross, and when he went into the grave, and when we rose, you know, he rose from that, and testified to the righteousness and the, the death part, not being able to hold him. I just think there's more for us to learn. And it's going to go back into the idea of the gospel. It's going to go back into the idea of how we see. Al talked about one of the ascensions that he was on, or he led this week, where they were in the middle of this tornado-like vortex, and it was calm in the middle, but outside everything was chaos, and that the journey from the outside to the end is a threatening one, a frightening one, because outside there is a lot of chaos, but inside there is peace. And so I believe that the manifestation of the work that Jesus did as the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world is one of those things that opens that stuff up for us and our our ability to get in there. So I'm wide open to talk about it. Uh, How this applies to the decision today, and I'm more than wide open for any kind of testimonies or any kind of prayers. I would hope that we would have some, as a matter of fact. Uh, But I want to... uh, I want to caution us, I guess, that... The progress, the wonderful progress that the Supreme Court decision represents is more of a door opener than it is a season closer. Because we still have real people to love and real people to deal with. We still have state politics, which is going to heat up probably quite a lot as a result of this to be involved in. And we still have ethics and righteousness and all of that kind of stuff. And I don't think, and I'm not trying to steal the joy from anybody, but I don't think anybody here is 
probably tempted to think that, uh, that this is an end in itself. Because it can't be. Uh, because all it is is a decision by a government entity. Uh, granted, it's probably one that's been a long time coming and is uh, certainly much more desirable than the government falsely and artificially opening the door for all kinds of misuse of, of uh, personal freedom and disregard for the life of unborn children and children in general. But we're still at a place where that finished work of Jesus, which really is a finished work, I believe, has to be applied with love, has to be applied on a case-by-case basis. So I uh, want to open the floor and the mic up to anybody. Yeah, Ronnie. So some of you may know I was driving for a little while uh, from Wisconsin back to Colorado. And uh, it was a 16-hour drive, so I was scanning through various radio stations in the process. And uh, I heard a Bible answer show or something. So people were asking questions and one guy was answering. And I thought it was interesting that the word that's translated righteousness, uh, he answered so poorly in my estimation. He said, if we are living properly and everything we do is righteous, then we're able to do these things. And instantly, my Joyland radar went up and said, uh-uh, no. Eh. God gives us righteousness, and we operate in his righteousness. And we get to, I think, reap the benefit of that righteousness that God does for us and has made for us. So the idea of you're talking about God takes away the sin, or the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, I think that ties into righteousness. And so even though when you asked if the spirit was bringing something to my attention or not, I'm a little delayed because I took a nap and I hadn't slept well for a while and I just woke up for the, for the service here. So um, I think that's one of the earlier questions. This is what God was showing to me is when we do have, I believe, uh, an upgraded version of understanding righteousness, we're able to identify quickly when something isn't accurate and not necessarily be in such a judgmental place, but know that it's God's righteousness that makes all the difference, not whether I'm following rules. And now that doesn't mean that I don't have to follow rules or that I don't have to find ways to line up with rules. But I think if we make a transition so that we really believe that it's God's righteousness that makes all the difference, it allows us to be more likely to follow rules than try to figure out how can we do it ourselves. And that's, if we do it just on our own, that's what makes us righteous and therefore other stuff can come from it. So all the way back to the beginning, I think God through Jesus as the lamb slain to take away the sin of the world means to me that we get to be righteous. That doesn't mean instantly that we're all going to act that way. But I think it gives us the ability to start from that as a ground zero and approach things totally differently than when we're trying to figure out how can we be righteous on our own. Passage of Scripture that come to mind as you're talking, Ronnie. One is uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, around verse 21, 
or so where it says, He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. So yet that speaks of a process and it focuses that process on what was accomplished in Jesus. So I thought that was something. And then one that I am looking forward to studying out as we look at this for at least a few weeks is where Jesus talked about the ministry of the Holy Spirit to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Of sin because they don't believe in me. So that draws the whole sin question right back to what we think about Jesus and how we react to that and and his his righteousness in there and righteousness because I go to be with the Father. Now, I'm not 100% sure what I think that means, but I know that it means that righteousness as being convinced and convicted by the Holy Spirit is centered in the relationship that Jesus has presently in the, in the presence of, in the face of His Father. So it's not just our behavior. It can't be. In other words, the, the seed of righteousness cannot be the peripheral manifestation of it. It is something to do with Jesus being with the Father and ruling and reigning from that place. So, anybody else? So full of it. <laughs> so this morning I was listening to Peter Hyatt, and he was talking about Angry Birds. I don't know if anybody's heard of that one, but um, and he's talking about how we're vessels of wrath, and that's a problem with him. And he struggled with that, tried to understand it, and I think I finally grasped what that is. Like, so we got this body that's filled with, you know, death and sin, right? And Jesus comes into our life and he's like, bam, you know, he's like the fire, the wrath of God comes to get rid of all that. Mm -hmm. And uh, so his fire is kind of what cleanses us and gets rid of all the crap. (laughs) I don't know if I can find the verse right there, but uh, along those lines, Paul in this big section of Romans talking about sin. Um, I don't know if we'll be able to find it. But he talks about not lending our members and our organs to sin. Not giving over our members to sin because mm-hmm. we have been free. Um, but it's his doing. Yeah, right. but, but there is, there is a sense uh, in, in the physical vessel of our lives, our souls, our minds, and our yeah. bodies there's a, a sense that we are capable of submitting those things to sin, living as if sin had a power over us. Mm-hmm. That was one of the things I appreciated about what I felt like Jesus said, is that, that we can become convinced that sin literally does not have that irresistible power over us anymore because of what Jesus has done. Not because of necessarily our ability to resist, but our ability to resist then grows into that. So did I cut you off? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> and uh, so if you think of Nebuchadnezzar and the, the four or the three that were in the fire and Jesus was in the fire with them. And uh, so he's there in the fire with us and he's purifying us. Mm-hmm. And all that's that's earthly just poof goes away like ash when we're in the fire with him. Yeah. Praise God. So. Okay, cool. Al, you got something? Um, yeah, look, four years ago when my life got completely turned around and, and just smashed, um, I came 
home and I wrote up on the board, it's no longer I but live, but Christ that lives in me. The life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And I think the biggest thing is what you're saying, brother, is that who, like I went to Papa then, I said, Papa, who am I? Who am I? I've got this picture of myself and I know it all these feelings and emotions and, and pain isn't me. It's just a product of my circumstances. But who am I? And it was that journey that I've had with him. And you say it's a journey. It is a massive journey. It was sitting down when I first started sitting down with him outside with the sun coming up on my left. So I could feel the warmth of the sun and say that was God and then sit with him and shut my eyes and picture him next to me and then just start this journey with him. And it was just, it is, it's, it's who am I, Papa? That's, that's the biggest thing that I got out of my journey is you've created me and you've created each one of us for this time and place to do the amazing things you have us do. Um, we are the righteousness of God in Christ. That's what he says. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. So what? who am I? And, and as you journey with him, <laughs> as an amazing brother in... Uh, King Aroy says, Papa is the only one who can hug you from the front and kick you in the backside at the same time. <laughs> and, and he says, you know, Al, that's not who you are. So when the feelings and emotions and things come and I, he, he just kicks me in the backside, Al, that's not who you are. And I think that's the, that's the beautiful journey that we have with him. How thoroughly has the fear of the journey been dispelled for you? Oh, look, I praise God for my journey. I praise, I praise God, God for everything that's happened because I wouldn't be who I am today without having gone through that journey. Like, you want to do anything to me, you want to do the worst thing in the world, you take my kids away from me. And that's exactly what happened. But even then, I remember going back probably, I don't know, 10 years before, God said to me, I was having, I was in the car coming back from Lightning Ridge, which is up north. I was teaching up there and, and God said to me, would you still serve me if I, you lost everything? And my answer was yes, I'd do anything. And it wasn't that he wanted to take my children off me. That's not that's not his desire. His desire is always good. But if someone is in a position where they're not coping and they're, and they're struggling and they, their actions cause that, would I still trust him? And even before everything happened, you know, I was standing in front of that church up in, in near Brisbane and, and, and God's saying, how do you trust me with? And he went through each member of my family. And at the end of that, down to Alexander, he said, do you trust me, Alexander? And then he said, are you sure? And I said, well, Papa, if I can't trust you, who can I trust? Well, and then now these days when I get into that flesh and, <laughs> and start to, to moan, he says, Al, you said you trusted me. So that's the kick in the backside. You know, he keeps us at our word and he will continue to bless them because I'm blessed. He will continue to bless me because... Of Jesus. 
if you get what I mean, he can't help himself but love us. And that's the journey. But I wouldn't be where I am now without having gone through that journey. I think this somehow fits, although I'm not sure how yet. I heard a quote today that said, um, uh, trauma is um, not trapped in your brain, it's trapped in your body. And when Al just said something about the flesh, I always cringe because of, you know, flesh and spirit, blah, 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 all that comparison. And we think the flesh is bad and the spirit is good. Well, we are a whole person. So if trauma is trapped in our body, then couldn't the flesh, couldn't the part that's mistrusting just be all of those traumas that are trapped in there trying to put defensive mechanisms up, which in me, in, in my thinking means there's a link between all that mistrust and belief in God, and that's to me what the connection with sin is and disbelief. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Okay, I I think there's real evidence that was that passage. I think it's over in six. I just don't want to take time to look it up right now, but where he, where he just talks about uh, that <clears throat> uh, who will deliver well, seven goes who will deliver us from this body of flesh. That's kind of the conclusion of that argument that starts in six, and then he goes, "Thanks be unto God, Jesus Christ. There's no condemnation in Him." So I think there is a link there, and so the question is like thinking about Al's journey, or even uh, and this is the question I want to raise about. How are we going to react to this new uh, social and cultural, spiritual environment as a result of the Supreme Court decision? How are we going to react to people? And how are we going to react to it? Are we going to give people time? Uh, are we going to trust people to God to work through this? Are we going to trust ourselves? And are we going to trust time? Uh, I mean, we've got some momentous events coming up. There's an election coming up in just a couple of months that's going to have all kinds of ramifications. Don't know what they're going to be exactly. Are we going to be able to trust God as we lead up to that? Are we going to be able to trust Him? And what does that trust look like? And what does it look like when trust is applied between individuals or between somebody that you know in your family or something along those lines? Yeah, come on. And, and I'm really asking that as a question. It's not rhetorical. I'm, I'm asking it as a question. You guys are wide open to come up here and talk. we got about another five minutes or so. Yeah, I think that's a lot of that is key to what you've put in your paper is as we recognize who we are, what God has done, um, it's, it's so much more empowering because otherwise when we're in the flesh, when we're in religion, when we're all these things, we're always struggling with who we are, getting to God, all these other things, there's doubts, there's things holding us back. And even we have accusations, you know. So if it's like, I'm fully righteous, you know, the religious guy will go, what? What are you saying? You're righteous? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, yeah. You know, and I'm blessed. And we talk about blessings and prosperity. What? You just want Cadillacs and BMWs and what? It's like, no, I want to be blessed so that I can enjoy the love of God and pass his blessings along to others. There's this whole thing of... I have a new heart that he has transformed. So number one, I can relate to him. Number two, I can give that and bring that to other people. And we can get tied up without that empowerment. I'm kind of, I, I remember a story is by Curry Blake where he talks about he went to this church and they would get together every Sunday night to pray for a move of the Spirit to get God to move, you know. 
And he's like, God, what will we do? What will we do? What will we do? What will you have us do? Make your spirit fall upon us and stuff. He came back two years later, and they were still doing that. And he's like, I've gone to 53 countries while you guys are waiting on the move of the spirit. And it's like that confidence we have is go, do, be, love these people. And take the courage to say, I have what God, all this stuff God has given me is in me. Use it. Be confident in it. Be excited about the fact that God has transformed you and created you to something entirely new to impact the world. Now, you said something. You said the confidence that's in you. You, I know you, so I know what you mean by that is... I am accepted by the Father. Yeah. Not based on perfect behavior, not based on perfectly responding to the hassles at work, not based on whatever, perfect church attendance. Yeah. I am accepted by the Father. Right. And as a result, I am free to love. Right. And I think too often when we have that false sense of the nature of God, we live in fear that if we act, we might do something wrong. You know, I think it was Graham Cook that said, you know, you can go out if you want to just do something because you feel like the Lord's leading or whatever. It's like, even if it was wrong, the Holy Spirit will probably back you up Mm -hmm. if it's loving and good. Mm -hmm. And we don't have to live in the fear that I'm going to do a wrong thing. It's like live in love and love people. It's probably the right thing to do, and it's probably not going to hurt people. Right. Right. Okay, good. Hey, one thing I'd like to do before uh, we cut loose the kids and and go on is I would like somebody to come up here and and pray uh, a prayer of thanksgiving and a prayer uh, for wisdom and and for every single thing that can come from the decision. Oh, yeah. Hi, Tim Meg. I just wanted to say that I was really blessed tonight to put everybody back to share. Today was one of those days like Alan was talking about earlier with the whirlwind, the vortex was all around us, and we're just trying to find our peace within it. You know, there's been lots of problems technically, just the highs and lows emotionally, uh, with what's going on, the Supreme Court and people's reactions. And in the midst of all of that, I'm just reminded just how much Father God loves us and uh, continues to love on us. And I'm so grateful for that. I just wanted to share a quick miracle that came out of yesterday's ascension. You know Jill, a lot of people don't, but Jill was in San Antonio and she thought through some physical heart issues. Okay. She's having some heart issues and uh uh and she has for many, many years. Yeah. But you know, she's still encouraged that the Lord is in charge. She might have some surgery to correct that, but she was going to take care of her granddaughter. She noticed that her car light came on saying the car was almost empty. She went to, she said, well, I'll just go there and I'll go to the gas station. Well, she was so tired when she was going home, she forgot to go to the gas station and she was almost home and she looked at her gas tank. The Lord had filled her gas tank. She did not stop for gas. It showed she only had a couple miles left and she had a full tank. No other explanation. Praise God. I love stuff like that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, what's more real, the chaos and political stuff that goes on or God intervening in someone's life like that? That's awesome. Thank you, guys. Yeah, Jen, it's an honor to have you pray. Lord, I praise you for a major victory today, God. I give you glory for loving every single person and 
and giving more opportunity for those to come be born and to fulfill their destinies, Lord, that you have for them. So, Father, I do just praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, God, for working in the hearts of those uh, Supreme Court justices. And, Lord, I pray protection over them and their families. Lord, we know that our, our battle is not against flesh and blood, Lord. It is against the rulers of darkness and the wicked ones in the demonic realm. So that's who we fight against. And so we just uh, declare that your heavenly host will come be dispatched to protect um, all of those that voted for life today and their families, Lord, and that you would just intervene and be a blockade uh, for the innocent and for those standing for truth and justice, Lord. Pray that just your angel armies uh, surround them and give them wisdom and give them courage and give them boldness. And, Lord, where every uh, plot of evil and retaliation is uh, trying to be formed right now, I send confusion to the enemy's camp in Jesus' name, and I thwart all of those evil against the innocent, Lord. Father, may you just as... As this supernatural event happened with a gas tank, Lord, you're that same supernatural God that can move and melt hearts and change minds and encounter them with the fire of your love, God, that changes paradigms. So, Lord, we just thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. I also just pray uh, for every state, Lord, uh, continue to give boldness to those that are standing for truth and for life. And for uh, those that are not at that place, Lord, I pray that you would just uh, move mightily upon their hearts and minds that you would bring transformations throughout state legislatures, Lord, to uphold life. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Yeah, Lord, and show us what our part might be in all of this, Lord. Whether it may be supply the needs to a single mother that decides to keep their child, or put money to um, save the storks that go out and help in uh, doing tests with women when they're pregnant. What, what area, God, do you want me to be a part in? I know it's going to be prayer, but how can I be involved in this time where people are going to be facing these situations in their life, these, these mothers and these fathers that are looking at not being able to finance a child, but they're being convicted that no, that isn't the right place. That isn't the right thing to do. Show us, Lord, where we stand and what we need to be doing, God. Show us our part in this time. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. For we know that you have a plan for each and every one of these lives that are saved, Father. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen.